welcome to this month's episode of Truly Twinning. This is a very special episode because we have brought on our parents to come teach us some lessons about entrepreneurship and owning a business. I think before I hand it off to Sam, I'll just say that our parents owned a business that Sam and I saw them grow for well over 30 years. I think they were a huge inspiration to us. And it's not a shock that Sam and I are both entrepreneurs running a travel agency and then also in real estate. I think seeing them work hard and be their own boss is why we've ended up where we are today. So Sam, do you want to formally introduce mom and dad? Yes. So on the podcast today, we have David and Lorraine Friedman. They owned a sales and marketing business together for over 30 years. My dad started it with a partner before he met my mom and then my mom joined the business. So Kat and I were born and raised in an entrepreneurial environment And we really wanted them to come on and share some lessons that they wish that they knew when they started their careers. And so we just wanted to lean on them for some advice to share with others who may be considering entrepreneurship or maybe are in a bad season of owning your own business. And so hopefully they can shed a little light and inspire everyone as we head into 2023. So David, dad, that's me with you. Yeah. Well, my, my first comment is you need to be a little bit more accurate with your information. Um, the business was 45 years old when we sold it. And wow. it's still, it, this, this coming year will be its 50th anniversary and still going strong. I just wanted to clarify that issue. Touche dad. Thanks for clarifying. Okay. Well, I think there are two very distinctive things for me that I think um, would have been wonderful to know about 50 years ago when I started the company in 1973, okay? I think the first one is I never could have imagined that a company wouldn't be about its product or services as opposed to what it's really about. And what it's really about is the people, the employees. And the challenge of running that business over those years, yes, we had issues with manufacturers we represented, trying to secure contracts, trying to maintain those contracts, dealing with retailers, all issues that need to be dealt with. But the toughest issue was the employees. Because to have a great company, you need to have a structure. You need to have people at every level pulling together as a team to get the job done. And I found that to be a tremendous challenge. And I wish I had dedicated more time in my youth to developing my people skills to a higher level. I think that would have been extremely helpful down the line. And in thinking about it, I think I probably would have studied in college more in the area of social studies of psychology and things like that. I think it would be extremely helpful. And it doesn't really matter what business you're in. In the end, every business revolves around the people that make it happen. That's my first issue. My second issue is I wish I had gone to school and gotten a law degree. Now that may sound a little strange for someone who is a salesman, 
But the truth is, over the years, our business involved hundreds of contracts and business deals that were going down. And while I did develop a bit of skill on the legal side out of necessity, I was homeschooled, I taught myself. I mean, our company developed our own contracts that we utilized with manufacturers, which turned out to be of great help for us in developing the business. And uh, I wish I had gone to school and gotten a law degree. And it's really interesting that over the years, I met, you know, we represented a few hundred different companies. I became very friendly with many of the owners and presidents of these companies. And it was really quite surprising how many of them had law degrees. I never expected to hear the owner of a manufacturing company or an importer or a distributor tell me they had a law degree. I found it interesting. But then I think after 45 years, I finally figured out why. There's a tremendous benefit. And if I was talking, if I had a son who was uh, in college and he asked me, he wasn't sure what he wanted to do, I would tell him getting a law degree could be very helpful no matter what area you go into in business. Or a daughter, dad, or a daughter. Yeah, that was very sexist of me, I guess. You're right. <laughs> Especially for me coming from a man who was surrounded by women and yeah. I have not had He's a support. girl dad only for those who are listening. So <laughs> Right, right. So um, I, I just really think that the law degree is a tremendous benefit. Yeah. No, and I, I wish... Oh, go ahead. No, you go. I was just going to ask a question about your first lesson because you said that it's all about the employees and having the right people at every level. How would you describe that to someone who's self-employed and they just started and it's just them? Like how, I guess then it's a lot of that falls on them, but what advice would you have for someone who's, you know, self-employed, like company of one? Well, I think company of one, first time you're hiring somebody, a lot of it's going to go on on your instinct and your intellect. Mm -hmm. you know and I think you have to be honest with yourself you have to really you know sometimes you meet somebody you kind of like them and then you get into the nitty-gritty of who they are and maybe you start to see some red flags you don't want to convince yourself oh you know I like them they'll be okay it's not going to work that way you need to let your instincts take over I, I really believe that because I think when I think back to all the people that worked for us and I'm guessing there was at least 100, if not 200 people that worked for us. My initial instincts were usually very close to accurate, extremely close to accurate. So I think yeah. you really need to. Now, everybody's different. Some people might have much better instincts than I have, and some people wouldn't have instincts as good as I have. But I think you need to depend on your instincts a lot. And I think it was really interesting. Once we got past that first one or two employees, I started using an outside computer service to test everybody I hired. And for, I would say for about 15 or 20 years, I continued to use that testing company, whether it was outside salespeople, people to work in the office, I insisted on people being tested by this gentleman I, I had met. And I would say it worked very well for me because the testing not only told me 
it gave me uh, a vision of what how he thought they would fit in our company because I would give him a job description every time he did this. Mm-hmm. And he would tell me how the person would or wouldn't fit. And he also told me their strengths and weaknesses because he had, he had tested them for about four hours. So he, he claimed to know, have known their intellect, their abilities, the things they're good at, the things they're not good at. Mm-hmm. And it really helped me not only hiring people, it helped me in a major way in managing those people down the line. Because I can many times I was going back to those reports, looking into what was what we found out about these folks, and I, I utilized it very much uh, in managing the employees. Yeah, and I think, and just one thing, Mom, and then I'll let you share what you have to share. It's just I I think a lot of people also go into entrepreneurship because maybe they are you know, frustrated or bogged down by a corporate job with a team environment or having to manage people. But I think at any, no matter what your business is as an entrepreneur, you're always going to run into a time where you need to outsource. And whether that's hiring a contractor or an employee or outsourcing to a company to do that, I think it's always good to do that before things get super busy or before, not maybe before you need it, but when you're starting to plan to need it. So that you're not in a position where you're onboarding someone and you have too many projects or too many things going on because you don't want to let that client service or whatever your main role is in your business to suffer um, while you bring someone up to speed. So I think that's also something for newer entrepreneurs or companies of one to think about. Yeah, the, the growth back there in the beginning it's a delicate balance because you can't really afford to make a lot of mistakes. You know, if you hire one person, that one person better perform. Right. Uh, So it's the first person uh, needs to be somebody that you have a lot of confidence in. Mm -hmm. You have to be really, really confident. Right. I mean, don't settle because you can't find anybody. You're better off with nobody than the wrong person. Yeah. Mom, go ahead. I was just going to piggyback off. I'll, one of my things I wish I had executed early on, um, I'll talk to a one man. I started a business when I lived in Los Angeles and I, before I met your dad. And I, and I was a one-man band in the beginning. And I wish what I had done, it kind of piggybacks off what you're talking about. Um, an important thing is to find like-minded people, maybe not people with the same skill that you have, but someone who has the same energy and the same output as you and use them as a mentor and meet with them regularly. Um, Have them have input in what you're doing. Um, They don't work for you. They don't know your daily, you know, business, but it's vital. To, to like really have somebody out there who you can bounce stuff off of, uh, you know, and, and more important that they're not a salesperson, I was a salesperson, that they're not in the same business as you, but they have the same kind of outlook of business that you have. Um, perspective on whatever you're putting out there. I exactly. totally agree with that because sometimes as an entrepreneur, you can think you have the best idea ever and you need that one person to bring you back down to reality. 
and mm -hmm. help you really iron out your ideas and how you can really execute on whatever your business venture is. And I would just like to highlight because if someone hasn't watched our previous episodes, Sam was a much better student than I was. She got into way more colleges than I did. I was more rebellious. And I'm realizing during this podcast that mom and dad, more so dad, I took your advice because I was a sociology major in college. And although I was completely lost and had no clue what I wanted to do with my life when I was in college, it's interesting how much that program helped me simply interact with people and how now that I've always been in a sales or a business development kind of role, I think one of my skills is, is really identifying how someone else prefers to communicate, how they operate, what their personality type is, so that I can either get the most out of them or how I can win their business or win them over based on communicating with them in a different way. So just back to instinct and whether it's working with employees or working with external clients, it doesn't matter. That skill is vital internally or externally. Right. Right. You know, I found that, you know, this conversation is making me think back 20, 30 years ago. Um, you can be very transparent and blunt with people about things uh, they're not doing right or their failures. And I, I found that you really can be transparent and blunt if you're being fair and honest with them. You know, so I think my way of dealing with the employees was to look them straight in the face and be straight with them. I didn't, they didn't need me to stroke them, make them feel good. They need to do that on their own by their success. Yeah. By me being nice to them because I'm trying to be a nice guy. Being a nice guy doesn't help the business at all. Yeah. So I believed in just transparency and being straight. And right. it's, it's interesting, actually, um, one of our combined mentors, someone who really helped us in our business life, um, is a really good friend of dad's and an, and an attorney. And his undergraduate work was in psychology. His College really. Carl Israel, he went to law school and, you know, he's the name partner in a huge Boston firm and he's not there anymore, but his colleague who took over his position there is exactly the same as him. Right. And um, that, I can't tell you how many times Carl um, would talk philosophically about the psychology of a situation. That's why he was so good at being a business attorney. Listen, he talked me off the ledge more than once where mm -hmm. I would have been, possibly would have made a mistake. Right. He well, that's that combination of psychology and law mm -hmm. is, a, is a really competitive advantage that he or anyone who else has that. Exactly. Because whether we like it or not, business is very personal, especially when you own a business and you're negotiating deals regarding your business. It's automatically personal, whether we like it or not. And so understanding psychology and how people think in addition to the law 
helped him weave together deals easier than someone else. Right. Well, you know, when I think back over all the years of that business, um, all the manufacturers you represented, all the major retailers that we all know and still go into on a daily basis, um, the business was all about the human relationships. Yeah. Our relationships with the buyers at TJ Maxx and Bloomingdale's and Bed Bath and & Beyond and the and Allclads the and the Krups of the world, it was all human relationships. That's all it was. The products were secondary. They really were secondary. Yeah. It took me a long time to come to that realization. Yeah. I think it's like that in any business. I mean, they're like yeah. Kat and I both work in real estate and there are thousands upon thousands of realtors in every market, more realtors than there are homes to sell or people looking. And in the end, the people who you gain as clients are people who know and like you or have some commonality with you. Um, in most cases, it has nothing to do with the home. They need, to be, they need to develop confidence in you. Right. Confidence and trust. Right. And I think you know, the other thing that resonates is no matter what business you're in as an entrepreneur or in any job, you don't have to be an entrepreneur and own your own business, but everything, like you said, is about relationships and how you navigate people's personalities and how they handle situations. And it, you need to be able to navigate those delicately or understand when it's delicate and when it's not. Um, and so it's interesting that a lot of people who are high up in different companies or own companies may have that like, you know, psychology or sociology background, or some may be lawyers, which are all degrees and education that helps you do that better navigate those relationships. Yes. I yeah. think another topic that I would love mom and dad's take on and just think about it. Cause I don't want your answer to be, Oh, well, you just have to work really hard. Cause I think it's more than that. For people listening who want to be an entrepreneur or maybe are trying to be and they are working a business on the side in addition to like a full, like a full-time job that they currently have, how did you deal with all of the failure? Because I think what social media has sometimes created is we see people's success more than all of the times that they failed. So when people think to themselves, oh my God, how did she do that? How is she earning all that money? How does she have all those followers? It's like, well, she probably failed a hundred times at whatever she was trying to do. And then she finally got it right. Yeah. And you only see the one time she got it right because people weren't yeah. paying attention. And I yeah. think that's a character or a, a personality trait that some people can sustain failure at a very high rate where some people struggle with that which is normal that's why I think entrepreneurs are slightly crazy but can you talk about how you dealt with failure because owning a business that's still living today so that's 50 years and more how did you cope with that mentally and what routines did you have to get out of those times you know, I think the best way that, you know, a good, a good uh, analogy for this is sports, right? You know, if a baseball player bats 300, he's an all-star. He's a hero and he makes $20 million a year. But he strikes out seven out of 10 times. 
he strikes out, right? So I think in business, when I started, I had passion for what I was doing. I love the industry, the houseware industry. I had been in it. I really enjoyed it. I was comfortable with it. I had passion for it. Once you have that passion, you get to wake up every day knowing you're going to go out there and kick some ass. And you know what? I don't expect to be better than an all-star. I just want to be an all-star, right? Let me bat 300. I, and I thought about that a lot, you know? So if I make 10 phone calls, I expect to get at least three appointments. And when I, when I get those appointments, I expect to have a batting average of success. I just expected it. And if you, I just didn't, I refused to lose. So dad, you, we had an episode about manifesting. Manifested. You are the classic case of manifesting. You are a perfect example of your confidence and the thoughts you put out there returned back to you. Cause you, in a way you innately knew you're, you would be successful. You, yeah. and you figured it out as you went, obviously, but yes. there's a lot yeah. of power behind manifesting and just literally yeah. saying, saying these things that you're going to be successful. Cause it's the positivity right. Right. will happen if you put the work behind it, obviously. But remember, I think, you know, when I started doing this, I had 10 years in the houseware business working for big manufacturers. So I, I had built up a knowledge base. I had the experience. I had a knowledge base from 10 years. I was prepared to do it. I had prepped myself properly. Yeah. And uh, I think if I had done it 10 years previously and just said, okay, I'm going to do it, I probably would have failed. Yeah. But I didn't do it that way. I went out, I paid the price. I worked for 10 years for different manufacturers and I learned enough about the business to have that passion. I don't think I would have had the same passion 10 years previously. It took those 10 years of working in the business um, to develop the passion. Along the way, I also had a lot of contacts. You know, I had met a lot of people. Yeah. I knew people in the business. So when I started, I had people I could call for help and advice and mentors. Yeah. Okay. Same for me. I, I had, um, before I, I, joined the northeast group about 10 or 15 years in so i was there for the 35 years 36 37 years that you were talking about um and dad i met your father and i what i brought to the table what ignited our relationship was uh not love it was business i had had 10 or 12 years of success in the tabletop industry Dad was in the housewares industry and he wanted to get involved in the tabletop industry. So he convinced me to move to Boston and be his partner and to start a tabletop business within inside of his business. So it's similar where I had a lot of contacts and I had a lot of mentors and I knew a lot of people in that business. And I, I worked really hard to bring it all to Boston and to get lines and to develop relationships with the customers there. And, um, and to tag back a little bit, we certainly were not successful all the time. You know, we had very rough years. We did have tough years. We lost big lines. We had lines that took away big customers. We had lines that cut our commissions in half like that all of those kinds of things happened in our business. 
but we never, I think I have to attribute this to dad, where we never overcompensated for that kind of a loss. We, we always just decided that we had to keep moving forward. We had to find new lines. We had to find new things. We, we, you know, cut our own salaries out of the business um, to afford to keep our staff. We never got rid of staff or, you know, terminated people um, because of a big loss like that, because of the image that it projected in the industry. You, you didn't want people to think that there was a problem. So we really slid through some of those really tough times um, easily by just, you know, managing the people. And I think if I go back to my original one man band kind of entrepreneurial starting a company as a young person, one thing that I wish I had really understood, of course, your my parents lectured me, other people lectured me, how we harp on it more these days than we did way back then, how much savings do you have to have behind you before you launch yourself into your own business? Well, you need three times what people tell you. You know, if people are telling you you need six months, you better have 12 or 18 months because stuff happens and um, you want to have enough money, not only to survive, but to push your business forward, to, to like make your business bigger and better. Um, you, what you're envisioning your business at in the beginning, it could double or triple if you have enough financial backing, so to speak, which is when you're a one person, it's your own thing to really keep you going. Yeah. And I think the hardest part, which this is also hard to accept, but I think it's the best advice that I give to people who I chat with is if you want to start a business, keep your job. So don't just quit your job, even if you have enough savings, you know, you, if, if you love your business and you're passionate about starting that business, then you're going to work on it nights and weekends and you'll still have your job and you're going to have that security to at least get your business off the ground before you decide to walk away from some level of stability. I think that's good advice because most people don't properly anticipate the challenges of starting a business. Right. They They really don't. Right. Or keep a part-time job. Do a, do a part-time job that can help you yeah. continue to pay your bills, you know, and, and put yourself out there, even if it means you have to work 14, 15 hours a day. That's the price you pay to, like, develop something that's your own, you know. Yeah. And you have to have, you have to have the stick-to-itiveness to stay on course and to, to really, you know, get it done. You know, I can recall when I started this business, the Northeast Group, it was at the foot of my bed in a one-bedroom apartment in Brookline, Massachusetts. And I can remember thinking to myself, if I can just make $300 a week, I'll be able to survive. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to do well enough so I could start and keep going, you know. Of course, I wound up doing much better than that, but it did take six months. The first six months, I mean, you know, no matter how much success you have in the business, you have to get the ball rolling. Right. You have to assume at least six months. 
It took yeah. at least six months. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but I, I, I think, you know, 10 years of preparation in my case, it took me. Maybe somebody else could do it with one year of preparation. I don't know. Depends on who the person is. Um, and it's a different time right now than when I started the yeah. business. And I think, I also think like for me, when I left my full-time job to work for myself in real estate and join CAT, I was married. So I was able to plan differently than someone who's single or operates for themselves. And then again, it would be different if we had kids. We don't have kids yet. So we're taking the risk and Phil has a full-time job. And so we we were able to save money and have something to fall back on. And I also con did contractor work for my previous employer until I felt like I, you know, had enough going on where I could back that off. Um, so there are, you know, there are other ways to plan, but I think regardless of if you're single, married, with kids, without, you have to plan ahead. You can't, I planned for almost a whole year before. Right, right. exactly. It's really, you know, and I, I had mentors in Los Angeles that really pulled me through, you know, Um, and everybody's got those people that they'll never forget who, you know, help them. And then of course, dad was my best mentor ever when I started the tabletop business, but we, he put me in a position where I didn't have to really worry about the money. He just wanted me to go out there and make money for both of us. And then um, it, in less than a year, I was able to really go out there and get lines and ha- and utilize the infrastructure that he had in place with salespeople and office staff. I, you know, it was a, a perfect scenario. So before we end this episode, I have one more topic idea that I feel like we'll all feel passionate about before closing this. I'd say the last thing that's coming to my mind that's very important is writing things down whether it's a business plan that's on a notepad on a word document on an excel sheet in an email to yourself it doesn't matter where you do it you need to write things down and keep those commitments to yourself because if you can't wake up every day and check off your task list of things you're going to do or you have to get done to grow your business, then you won't find success. You keeping commitments to yourself when you, you're your own boss is very hard to do. And a lot of people need to train themselves how to do that because you don't have someone telling you and giving you a paycheck to do those tasks. You have to do them and you can't delay them. They have to be done that day. You have to, be you have to decide what has to get done today. Right, exactly. The phone's yeah. going to ring, the emails are going to come, you get distracted, and you don't get the real important things done. And it's this is, I feel passionate about this because the hardest job is being your own boss. Having a boss is way easier. <laughs> Just do what they say. No, you're right. You're 100% right. And so creating these tasks that you have to complete is so important and having them written down and reminders, however you want to do this, you can do it with an iPhone. But I guess just mom and dad really quickly, you know, I'm sure you had business plans and all these things, but just if you can add, chime in on how important this is. I think it's critical that... You know, I, I think I've talked to you recently about that, but you should have a five-year plan. 
And that five-year plan should get looked at seriously once a year to update it because your five-year plan, you may be ahead of plan, you may be behind plan, whatever it is, you have to keep on adjusting that five-year plan. But that's what you both need to do. You need to have a five-year plan that you agree to together. I'm talking to both of you, ladies. <laughs> and you should, once a year, take a hard look at it. And even quarterly, you could, you could spend 10 or 15 minutes talking about, are we on stream? Are we on the right track to get to the end of the year where we want to be? And it's something you should look at. It helps keep you on the right path. Right. Forget the five-year plan. You have to have a plan for next week. And yeah. you have that's to hold my, yourself. That's my point. Yeah. You have to hold yourself to it. You have to Nail write it down it. what yeah. you're going to do Monday, what you're going to do Tuesday, and make sure you do it. And if you don't, because something got in the way, make sure that moves to the next day. Because right. you'll never get to the five years if you don't do day by day planning. It's yeah. all about, I think, systems or something. That yes. is like a big buzzword yeah. right now, but it's super important. And you don't have to pay for systems. You can create systems for free. You yeah. do it on anything. Yeah. Right. And you just need something that works for you. And I think everyone's searching and listening to podcasts and reading books for like the perfect hack for systems, but whatever works for you is a system. You don't have to Excel use spreadsheets. Yeah. Right. You don't have to use someone else's system. And I think a lot of people talk a lot about habits and time blocking. And I think that's something that's worked for me is blocking off time on your calendar for things that you want to prioritize or need to get done and treat them like a meeting and don't book something else during right. the time. Exactly. exactly. You have to idea. take care of yourself or you can't take care of your business. Right. right. That's also something to be really concerned with. Even that, even now we're not working, right? We're retired. I I still make lists of things that I'm going to do and I make sure that I, I stick to it. You know, my closing, I think my closing statement for entrepreneurs is there's a very special way you have to think about your business. And if you don't think about it in the way I'm going to describe, I don't think you'll be successful. You have to look upon that business as a living, breathing entity that has to be fed and nurtured and taken care of on its own basis. In other words, you can't let your personal problems interfere with that business. That business has its own needs and they must be met. And nobody cares if you have a wedding to go to or somebody's sick you have to take care of. The business needs have to be met. And I think I always told uh, Lorraine and the people that work for me, the Northeast Group is a living, breathing beast and I'm afraid of that beast. I got to take care of that beast. And no matter what that beast needs, I'm going to feed what it needs. And the beast got fed before we did, being honest with you. And I, th I really believe treating it that way is one of the key elements to why it was successful for now it's gone 50 years. Thanks, Dad. Uh, Mom, do you have a, a closing statement? <laughs> I'll let it be dad's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, just I think I, I, I feel really strongly about, um, you know, a lot of what dad just said, but also taking care of yourself along with taking care of the business from a female point of view, 
Um, you have to wake up every morning and be super happy with yourself and whether it's exercising, going to the gym, you know, getting your nails done, wh whatever it is, don't let your, your things that you used to do. You could use a manicure, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, make sure you're taking care of yourself because that in the end is um, going to be how you handle everything else out there in the world. Right. Well, this was so much fun. Thanks for joining yeah. David and Lorraine. You're welcome. It, it's really been a lot of fun for us to sit here and talk to you about this stuff. Thank really you. Yeah. Oh, it's especially fun for us to see you be success, successful. Yes, as we talk to other people about their kids and their lack of success, we we put our heads down on our pillows at night and say, thank God, Catherine. We'll be cutting that out. No. <laughs> I know. I'm giving you, I'm giving you the end where you can cut it out. Can't we not record now? Oh my God. All right. I gotta go get dinner. But that was really great. I'm so glad we have that. Okay. okay. All right, love you guys. Love you guys. Bye. 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 Bye.